We now hear from Annie Nightingale. Annie joined BBC Radio 1 as the first female DJ in 1970 and was the only female DJ for the following 12 years. Annie is now 80 years old and currently the longest serving DJ on Radio 1. Annie has supported and championed women in radio and has made it her mission over her 50 year career to knock down doors to create opportunities for women on the airwaves. And I am delighted that Annie can join us today. Thank you very much, Miranda. Thank you for overwhelming introduction. I hope I can live up to your lovely words. We are just all in awe of you. This is an amazing opportunity for me. And I was flapping. If you'd seen me beforehand, you know, I've probably interviewed thousands of people, but interviewing Annie Nightingale, that's on a whole other scale. So, yeah. Yeah, let's just start at the beginning, Annie, because, you know, I know the landscape of radio has changed massively since you started. First of all, for any listeners who don't know, when did you start and how did you start your career? Well, I... I realised I really wanted to be working radio and be a DJ when the pirate ship really took over British Broadcasting. This is way back in the mid-60s. And they were blasting out fabulous music all day long and it was illegal and they were in international waters, which made it so much more exciting anyway. And I thought that's what I want to be. I'd been a journalist beforehand. I had done all the basic journalism stuff that I should have done, worked on a local paper, covered parish council meetings at one point thinking I'm 19 and my my life is ebbing away because I couldn't see that there was any future in it. But I learned so much that way that helped me later on the radio in a way I could never have imagined. So it started off with being a print journalist and then gradually I got taken over by television actually quite early on and I did quite a lot of that. But I realised that, that I really wanted to do broadcaster I wanted to do radio and when Radio 1 began after they closed the Pirates down I thought oh now they're on dry land maybe now it's a chance I can have a go at this and the reason I thought I was equipped to do it was because I'd had 10 years in journalism and a lot of that had been writing about music and stuff so I felt you know I thought well if anyone is going to be able to have a go at this I feel uh, as if I've had enough experience to have a go to do it and that was all no sense of entitlement at all and a big surprise and the big shock was when Radio 1 began and the people that ran it said no women (laughs) I laughed now but I, I was shocked and I couldn't believe it and I couldn't understand why why do they have no women it just seemed crazy and then the truth kind of gradually seeped out in a way I've been asking that question ever since I mean it took me three years before I could get them to at least give me a chance say look let me have a go if I'm no good I totally will understand that and I will shut up and go away but I just want to have a try and see if this is something I can do I seem to have been all right doing television presenting writing for magazines and newspapers so what would be so unique about radio that they can't have any women and then they came out of this line and said, well, we regard the disc jockey as husband substitutes, which was so sexist. I mean, appallingly so. And I kind of looked into it more and more. And the people that ran radio at the beginning were mostly ex-RAF guys. I don't think the BBC really wanted to have 
radio one. It was a kind of, well, the government's closed the parts down. The BBC, they could do this pop stuff. And I think they, the BBC hoped that it will go away in a year and they could close it down and forget about it. But the people that started radio one realised that the only way they could survive was to turn their, their DJs into massive, massive names. And they were. And they, they got audiences that nobody gets nowadays up to 20 million. You know, it was like a wow. third of the entire audience. And there was no commercial radio. So they just projected these all unknown DJs as though they were pop stars. And that is how it began. And if they thought that the audience were all nice little housewives doing the ironing and waiting for hubby to come home and while he was away at work and they were at home not doing anything, then they would have a nice, friendly male voice to listen to. They didn't seem to understand that life had changed so much. And I was part of the generation that could see that there were immense opportunities for women and girls and that I had no reason to believe why we should not have careers and do what we wanted to do with our lives and that we were not destined to just only have one option to grow up, get married and have children and be a housewife. I never, ever wanted to do that. I hated domestic science at school. (laughs) It was my most unfavourite subject. I utterly loathed it. I was no good at it. And to this day, I'm not very good. But I'm not sort of looking down on anyone who wants to be a homemaker and didn't want to go out and have a career. I totally respect that, and I still would do. I'll tell you what was quite interesting. Quite recently was TV series fronted by Sarah Cox, who, by the way, is one of the most genuine, lovely people that ever in radio. I mean, what you see is what you get, and she's always been so. And she's been doing very serious called Back in Time. They've done all kinds of things and they did Back in Time to school and look back over decades of what pupils were taught and what were expected to do and going back to the 1950s or wherever. And it's actually shocking to see how girls were, it was so completely segregated. So the girls would be put in classes where they would do needlework and cookery and the boys would be given you know, technical jobs and it looks shocking to us now. I'm a single mum and I've really struggled juggling mm. that and I had to to take time out and then when I came back in from this sort of break parenting it was like I had to start my career all over again. How have you yeah. managed to juggle being a mum and an incredible well, yeah, career? It was difficult. I mean I had my children when I was very young, which probably not doing them any favours, but it meant that I'd had my children before Radio 1, before I went to Radio 1, and I used to take them with me on Sundays. And I'd say, right, I'm going to get the student out. You can run around, do what you like, just don't get into trouble. And then they would literally run around broadcasting out. It could never happen now. And I thought that's quite good for them as well to have a bigger experience, you know, so that I didn't talk about them all there. And another thing that I've learned many, many things, but I think we have have moved on and I'm sure that your audience today don't have to face that situation. 
of not being accepted to do certain careers. So we've moved on from that. And I don't think that's today's problem. I personally am still finding issues like that working. Mm. And I found it very hard being able to get childcare. So I brought my son along for years until COVID hit. And of course, I couldn't bring him in anymore. And that's been a real struggle to juggle Mm. the parenting, COVID. You know, that has just been really hard, really hard. I'm sure it has. I will say this, that the BBC is very keen on diversity and very keen to help people from different countries. But we have fought very hard for it. It's taken many, many decades to where we are now. So I appreciate what you're saying as well. I belong to Sound Women, which is to help women in broadcasting. Two years ago, we had more face-to-face meetings and stuff. And I remember talking to a female DJ or presenter who worked at a radio station doing the breakfast show with a bloke. So they did it between them. And I said to her, right, who drives the desk? And she said, he does. I went, change that. That is a fundamental problem because whoever drives the desk has the power. And this is where women have still got to become as technically good as men. And I think it is up to us to make sure we are. And not boys love boys' toys. They like technical things. They do enjoy it possibly more. Maybe women are better communicators and therefore they enjoy that side of broadcasting on the mic and not have to write too much about about the technical stuff. And you'll find it. But I know females who are really, really good technically. And there should not be any disparity. But if that bias is still, you're still finding that, then, right, how do we address that? And we have to we have to get good at it. It's not that impossible. It's actually quite boring. <laughs> I don't particularly enjoy, I enjoy the creative style of broadcasting, but there are people who love the technical style of it. It's like <laughs> the background of the BBC, you know, they love solving a problem, a technical problem. And I must say, to be fair to them, they dealt with the, the pandemic really well because I could see that they regarded the whole thing as a challenge, thinking we're not going to get shut down because of COVID. We will find a way. So you know, they created an app called Prerec, which I've been using ever since. I do all my shows from home. And I don't say no doubt, was that discovered and created by a bloke? Maybe it was. I think they possibly enjoy that side of it more than maybe the, the really connective, creative, being a presenter, people like Emma Barnett, who I think is brilliant, people like that. There's that side of the BBC that loves a technical challenge. Now, if you listen to this, happen to be one of these people, great. If you don't happen to be one of those people, I don't think you should feel in any way lesser. We've got to have the respect if you look at the number of women presenters there are now on, say, Newsnight, it's predominantly women. And when they have to put a man on to front it, they're all over the place. They're stumbling over their words and they're not <laughs> good as people like Emily Maitland, Kirsty Walk, or they might do better in-depth political interviews. But in terms of communication with the audience, but I don't want to be biased that way either. You know, and people like Lauren Levine doing different that yeah. was started off by a man, created by a man. 
And am I right in saying that it was 50 years that you started with Radio 1? 97. It's 50 yeah, years. That's absolutely and incredible. And how has it changed since then and now? Yeah. And it's much, much easier now. What it's advice would you give young women today if they want to learn, break into the industry? Learn everything you can and learn everything technically that you can. Don't give them the chance to say, oh, you can't do the job. I don't know as much as I'd like to. I'd like to be able to edit better at all. I would say get every technical skill you can so that you cannot be accused of not being able to do it. You know, I think women must be careful of this. I mean, that was the bit that they, to begin with, with Radio 1, I had hardly any help at all. And the they were waiting for me to fail, waiting for me to make terrible mistakes. I did make mistakes because everyone does. I had no background in any other radio station that I've done a tiny bit for Radio Brighton as it was but there was certainly it wasn't anywhere near a live microphone so I was thrown in the deep end which possibly was the only way and I made terrible mistakes and it was the me in the studio and then there'd be a technical TO technical operator through the class and they would make really cutting horrible mis- remarks about the music which I'd chosen and I think back and I should have stood up for myself more and said don't you dare speak to me like that but I was so terrified absolutely for several years I couldn't really relax into enjoying doing it because I was so afraid of making technical mistakes so the thing is get beyond that stage it is much easier now anyway there's a quote from your amazing new book which is called hey hi hello and you say if i can play what i like and say what i like that's the dream what do you mean by that annie well i I mean exactly that playing that i'm allowed to play the music i want and that's the whole point of doing it if you're on in the daytime on radio one or radio two you couldn't choose your own music but that's the whole joy of it to me that's why I wanted to be on radio, was to communicate my love of music, play it to somebody else and say, what do you think? Do you like this? I do. At the moment, I'm working on a show all about the 22nd of February because the date is going to be 22 to 22. Yes. That's never going to happen again in our lifetime. So all the tunes that are connected with the number, that number and duos, it's brilliant fun to do that. I am very grateful and very aware that I'm very fortunate to be able to play what I like. I agonise about it all the time. Is there anybody at the moment like you've heard of a a new artist or emerging genres or anything you think we should be listening out for? Well, for me, that's what it's all about. It's all about I'm bracketed vaguely as dance, so it's weird. And they move my show around in time. And because of BBC Sounds, idea of it being a sort of linear you know you listen to one show and then that finishes and then you keep your radio on and listen to the next show it doesn't really seem to work like that anymore it's much more about the app and i don't know when people might be listening but to me it's still very romantic that people who could be listening all over the world at any time of the day or night at any day of the week and i just want to play the music that that they're going to appreciate and also I know that they're hungry and they want the new stuff and they don't want too many repeats. My contract to me, in a way, is with the listener. So, look, I will do everything I can to find you the best music 
if you're listening to this show, I won't say anything that I don't think is worthwhile. So it's a matter of trust between me and the minister and also the BBC to give me the, the platform to do it. How do you find your music, Annie? Are you now being sent stuff and you just go through your post or how are you exploring music? Oh, well, that has always been, you get deluged, but in different ways. When I began, it was vinyl, then CDs, and and now it's all digital. But I buy a lot of music. I buy online record shops because there are people called pluggers who are hired by record labels to try and get DJs and producers to play their music. So they're being paid to try and get you to play that music. Now, I'm very resistant to that because I've realised that that piece of music being sent to me, somebody's being paid to try and get me to play it. A, I tend not to play music from pluggers, so it doesn't doesn't fly. But I go to record shops, on, online record shops, a bit like going to old-fashioned record shops, or they get to know you. I should buy a lot in Paris, and there's a great record shop there, and they would always give me a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I used to have a show on Galaxy Radio for almost 10 years, and my job yeah. basically wake up in the morning, open the posts with the promos, which were usually 99% rubbish, take them yeah. to the record shop, sell them, <laughs> trade them um, in, have a chill, and then listen to all the new sort of imports, and then go home and prep my show. It was the best job in the world it really was well, it is the best job in the world it, it is. is the best job in the world i still believe it and so i do take it very seriously but it's a matter of being very honest having integrity someone's got employed to do that the music i play is not very commercial sometimes i'm always worried it's too weird it's too weird it's too weird and it, you know it's difficult to know if it's too weird or isn't you just have to kind of go on gut feel really it is that's what it's about it's something that you think you like and other people are going to enjoy and that's the art of a good dj isn't it it's not so much i'm trying to force it on them i want to know whether they like it too i want to share it and say listen i just heard this i think it's amazing what do you think and they may not come back to immediately but that's the relationship it's not ram it down their throats it's just saying, hey, I've discovered this. And obviously, I'm in a position that I get material before other people do. And there's so much out there now that it's actually, I think, more difficult for people who love music. Where are they going to begin? Where are they going to find what they might like? Because there's so many radio stations. There's so much Spotify and all of that. Have you Where- got any advice for artists, you know, how they should or could get noticed or get their music played? difficult to say people talk about soundcloud and the great story about billy eilish who i think is magnificent was that she and her brother made this tune put it on soundcloud late at night woke up and the next day they got a thousand followers and they thought wow. that's weird with teenagers we don't know a thousand people and one of those thousand people was a manager who's turned out to be the guy that's taken that all the way to the top and very, very conscientious and very, very good management. But she's also grown up in LA, parents who were musicians and actors. So she's grown up in that and her brother in that environment, which may have helped. But I still wonder if you or I made a record, put it on SoundCloud, expect it to be turned into Billy Eyes, I was standing out was like that. I'd like to believe that it does, but that seems to be the way to do it, if it's electronic music, certainly, which is my sort of thing, really. So there's so many sides to it, but I'm 
interested in helping along people who want to be, become broadcasters. And I'll just say some basic advice that I was given about doing television was be yourself. Now, that's all very well, but it's very hard to be yourself if you think, yeah, but I'm nobody. I, you know, why would anyone want to listen to me? And that's how most people feel. So it's quite a struggle to be yourself. You can obviously be guided by other people. People say to me, who did you base yourself on? I started broadcasting. I said, well, no women, because there weren't any. And in a way, that's probably been quite helpful because I can't be accused of copying anybody. Annie Nightingale, thank you so much for joining us today. We just all want to say thank you so much. The Goddess of Radio. That was the Goddess of Radio, the legendary Annie Nightingale. Lip smacking, gas bagging, tongue wagging, no nagging, them FM. <laughs> <laughs>